Welcome to B2B Impact by BDB. Join me, Matt Smith, CEO of BDB, and Oliver Brewood, BDB's Head of Digital and Technology, as we get together to discuss the myriad of trends, topics, opportunities, and developments in the world of B2B marketing and communications. Our aim is to arm you with content, opinions, and insights that deliver lasting and meaningful impact across the B2B community, helping the global businesses and brands we partner with navigate their way through the information and communication revolution. Are you ready to make an impact? Hi everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the B2B Impact where we're going to be speaking about marketing during a recession. Um, Ollie, do you want to give us your uh, textbook definition of uh, what a recession actually is for anybody that may be yeah. unsure of it? From what I remember from business studies at GCSE, okay. I believe um, a recession is when you have two successive quarters of negative GDP. Correct. So effectively when trade and industry is reduced two quarters back to back qualifies as a recession. And for those of you that may um, maybe be watching the news at the minute and tuning in, um, the predictions are that it's very much on the cards if we're not already in a recession when this airs. Technically, um, it's, a, it's very much a looming recession at the minute. Um, so typically during a recession, tough times are ahead for most people. Um, unless you're in a relatively privileged position and also it puts a lot of pressure on businesses and respective industries across the world and marketing is certainly an interesting area to explore during a recession yeah um, and there's various different factors to consider here but I guess the ultimate uh, reason why marketing always comes to the forefront during a recession and I know during previous recessions we've been asked by friends family contacts clients how is everything uh, is BDB okay uh, you know are we surviving through uh, the tough times and that's primarily led because ultimately uh, in most organizations marketing still seen as a relatively discretionary spend if you yeah. if you if you agree um so most discretionary spends are the areas that are trimmed or cut first of all from a PL perspective um during these th these tougher times any thoughts on that as an opening gambit yeah i, I suppose i was trying to think about this before obviously before recording and there's i think there's that aspect to it and the other one that I was thinking about is what costs can you actually cut without like losing headcount or, or you know having something you're already committed to mm -hmm. and I think a lot of, a lot of the times from the, at least the way we, we work with clients a lot of marketing spend can be paused mm -hmm. you know, it actually can be yep. um, whereas you know if you wanted to reduce a, a sales spend if you thought for some reason that was a good idea yep. that would mean losing headcount in most cases yeah, yeah start thinking about software costs tech costs you're probably in contract with most of those they can't be cut yeah likewise again unless you want to start slashing headcount across your business you're kind of you know stuck in that area mm -hmm. whereas in many cases i suspect that while you might have some marketing commitments that you you're tied into a lot of those probably can be cut down or reduced whether that's ad spend cuts or entire campaigns that are paused mm -hmm. so if you literally have to it's probably one of the areas that can actually be cut whereas many can't be without something more drastic yep yeah, no no com completely agree and i think that's when it comes back to the objectives of the audience groups and who you're working with in your respective sectors during that period because even describing marketing as a discretionary spend i think is quite an old school mentality these yeah. days and it's not just because we work in the sector it's not because we're trying to uh, protect our own income streams here it's more if you view marketing as a discretionary spend i'd argue there's something fundamentally probably wrong with that marketing function and the alignment with sales that it obviously produces as why well why are you spending that money in the first place yeah. If, you, if, if you're you seeing it as something that can be switched off and it's frivolous, why are you actually investing the money to do it in the first place? So surely you're 
idea of doing marketing is to, uh, to to try and bring in more sales, whether that's now or at some point down the down the pipeline. If it's not that to some extent, what is what's the actual benefit of it? Absolutely. And again, I think if you start thinking about what the type of spend it is, you know, you've got a corporate website and it's working reasonably well, but you want to um, freshen it up and add some new branding to it or just change the way it looks a little bit. Maybe that is a bit more uh, something that could be delayed. But if you if you're talking about something that um, you know is replacing something either that doesn't work or is, is a campaign that because otherwise we're bringing in additional you know sales, then yeah, it, to me that seems like backwards. Unless you literally have to to be able to keep operating as a business, yeah. Then it seems like a backward mentality to me. And, and worth emphasising here, we're speaking more about the B two B marketing that we work within. I'm not t- talking about B two C marketing here, where consumer spending may be on the floor and you're literally, I don't say wasting your money or wasting your time, but I'm talking here about the B two B world that we live within. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, there's a balance somewhere in there of getting the balance right between making a short-term saving but the long-term implications that could have on your business or brand by reducing your activity reducing your tactics or whatever that may be um particularly if the way i think about this if if you stop advertising mm-hmm. but your competitors don't yeah you're starting to suddenly lose out quite rapidly on share of voice yeah to the point where i found an example talking about this where a company had um with the 2008 financial crash had basically c- continued increased its marketing spend by 25% or its advertising outlays by 25% and uh, just massively increased its its share of the market increasing profit by 14% yep where, where all its competitors in the same space saw a 10% decline well I think it's that concept of there's a there's in everyday life at the minute there's an awful lot of noise out there but during the recession as you say if everybody's cutting back their spend that the, the, you could potentially have an opportunity to capitalise on yeah. quieter areas obviously you need the capital you need the cash you need the funding to be able to take advantage of that opportunity but there is an opportunity there for the right businesses and brands who are geared in the correct manner where mm-hmm. they can ride out the recession whilst and you can also to start go. trying to be smarter about your spend as well I'm not saying you shouldn't be doing that anyway but if you do need to be more economical about it you can think more carefully about where it's going and try and focus on the things that are more more likely to give you to give you that return and less likely to to be yeah more frivolous i think that's an interesting point actually because in relation to reviewing or revising or revisiting your marketing strategy during that period it's not as simple as a financial director or a cfo might just say turn off the spend reduce it done that's something we can cut out immediately but i think the opportunity to sit down as a communications team or a RevOps team or whatever you're set up and geared towards and actually revise the strategy. Yeah. Um, it's What's not a case that of, we get the, yeah. most, uh, um, the best return for our investment? Is there a more cost-effective way to generate the, the impact or the outcomes that you're looking to generate? Mm-hmm. But more often than not, particularly on the finance side or when I was in the finance side, it was just cut. There was no consideration or consultation, which again, it's going back a few years for me, but that was very much showing the disconnect between the C-suite, the finance, and the marketing, the role of marketing within B2B and within businesses. Mm-hmm. And I think that has evolved uh, over the period now, but I still think, I, I bet eight out of 10 businesses will probably just cut immediately rather than consult in the first place about what the objective of that spend is. Yeah. Um, I guess in terms of, if you are revising that marketing strategy during a recession, I guess that channel assessment's important in terms of where, where you put in your investment, but also 
has anything changed around where your target audiences can be found during a recession? Are they more online, more offline? Are they so on and so on? Yeah, so I, I guess we saw obviously a lot of that during 2020 with the pandemic, which I, I think we also dipped into recession yeah. during. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't speak for every country on earth, but let's just say generally we probably did. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, obviously, the, the type of channels that people were using drastically changed mm -hmm. because suddenly lots of people were working from home, which is still the case for many people today. Um, so I think it's always important to, to start revisiting that and think about has that changed? Has, have things moved on in the, in the year since you, you might have set the plan? Um, and based on the results you've seen to date, does it still make sense to, to put that spend where it's currently going or would it make sense to revise it particularly in, in light of trying to make more effective use of budgets? So I think I saw an article talking about how ABM could be potentially a route to, to go down where you know who you're trying to get to instead of casting the net wide. Obviously that depends on the nature of the business and who you you know, uh, how, how big an opportunity each sale could potentially be. Mm -hmm. um, but I know for, for some clients, we've seen that be an incredibly effective use of spend. Yeah. Um, also, a lot of investment and time goes into that as well, though, doesn't it? Because you think around the level of investment you need into ABM. I've seen it being talked a lot and almost linked in various articles and publications at the minute that ABM could be the answer to marketing during a recession. But I'm not saying it, it wouldn't be, but I think there's a, there's a challenge to that in terms of the time and monetary investment, mm -hmm. and sometimes that's a long, longer term play as well, isn't it? In terms of yeah. that, that, that brand. And I think building. it depends very much where you are in the market, how well known you are, how, how good your solution is, and how much it stands out versus competitors. I know an example we did a couple of years ago, then, then you know, we had tremendous results in that campaign. Mm -hmm. um, probably better ROI than we could have got from any other channel. But yeah, you just have to, as with anything, you have to weigh everything up with your audience, your objectives, your your market and so on. And if people, if your target audience groups and your prospective buyers aren't in market to make a purchase during a recession because either they're, going, they're not going to jump ships to change to a new supplier or maybe they're not looking to increase spend or renew contracts or understand yeah. new products and, and services. We previously about how that is something like 95% of people aren't currently in market when you're talking about B2B. Which is where I was heading in the sense of trying to align it and think around where your buyers are in that buyer's journey at that point in time and then adapting your channels or tactics accordingly to cater to their needs because th there's an argument that during difficult times and challenging times like during a recession and the time we've put, no doubt got ahead of us, there's a real opportunity to spend time educating your customers helping your customers um, through that tough period. Mm -hmm. So uh, on the other side of it, you are front of mind and perfectly positioned to kind of capitalize on people when they are ready to get back into market. Yeah, and I suppose that comes down to as well, like, uh, kind of what we we're talking about for with regards to making the correct use of your budget. So it doesn't necessarily mean you need to plow lots of money into, into advertising spend to get in front of them. That could be putting the right type of content for them at a time so that when they search, they discover it. So that could be content, that could be SEO uh, as, a, as an investment, which some companies will be able to carry out in-house, therefore cost saving versus um, expensive ad spend. Think about email marketing. You've probably got the platform, you've probably tied into cost for email marketing anyway. And if you've got that database, and again, that could be a very effective way to continue marketing without needing to incur lots of ad spend costs, whether that's a prospect database, whether that's cross-sell, upsell to customers, those are the type of things that you can do that can, can be a more effective use of budgets. And do you think there's an argument that during a recession, because obviously we're speaking here a lot about new business, increasing sales, that kind of thing, 
but nurturing your existing clients during that period as well. Because if you turn off the marketing spend altogether, other than being reliant on that sales relationship. Yeah. And that's something that, like say, you can do very cost effectively. Mm-hmm. I mean, both through marketing in terms of things like email marketing, potentially things like SMS marketing, but I don't think that's as common in, in B2B, at least mm-hmm. from, not from what I've seen. Um, posting content out organically, both from um, social profiles, for, for the company social profiles, but also from uh, sales reps, CEOs, etc., that people are likely to be connected with. All of that's getting seen by your audience. Mm-hmm. And then I suppose dovetailing that with you know your actual teams, your account managers, your, your sales team members that will have some relationships with, with customers that you'll you should ideally be nurturing all the time, but as, a, as an extra focus when there is a recession, you want to make sure that those those customers are coming out the other side still want to retain working with you. I think that's an excellent use of, of focus. I also think when I was planning planning for the podcast in terms of thinking around um, the points for the recession, I ended up moving towards also the attract and retain initiatives because thinking about team members like you just have then, it's a highly competitive job market at the minute. The skill shortages, it's a candidate-driven market. So the ability to attract people to your business, but most importantly, probably retain them, unless you're laying people off, which many businesses may have to do in the coming months. But turning, turning the, I guess the focus, maybe if you, if you are toning down your marketing, but looking at the team, if you want to retain your stars and those team members, investing more in the internal comms in, in, in your employer brand. So you're teed up again to uh, be perfectly poised to, to, to attract and retain the right talent that you need to during and post-recession. Mm-hmm. Because if you've turned everything off and your brand's disappeared and you know slid back into the shadows yeah. and you've got other people that have continued to invest in that brand to show how they've supported their team members, to show how they're a, a great place to work, you're going to be at compound issues then when you've lost the clients, yeah. you've lost the team members, you've lost the talent. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's stats out there about this, but I wonder how long you have to have like zero or, or little marketing presence before people start to forget that you even exist. Yeah. And I guess if you're, you know, a big established player, potentially that you could, you could ride that out longer. But if that's really true, why are Coke constantly advertising? Because everybody knows Coke and Coke are omnipresent absolutely everywhere, mm-hmm. but they're still plowing absolutely millions into it's advertising. It's that point of being top, top, of, top of mind, isn't it, though? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, a phrase that's used very often and you don't necessarily be top of mind but you need to be visible yeah. there's, there's got to be that element of awareness and, and, and uh, a brand awareness that you continue to generate during any time because with the number of interruptions people have got the number of advertisements people are seeing the number of distractions people have got these days I, I don't know the stat either without looking it up but I imagine it's quite quickly um, particularly if the competition and the competitive landscape has shown that they are continuing to push messaging out and to, to push um, placements out in front of those target audiences. It won't take long. And, yeah. and again, if you're not seen to nurture, I think there's a big thing in nurturing during a recession. If you're not seen to nurture the clients and nurture your team members, and other businesses are, you, you're going to come a cropper relatively quickly, I would think. Yeah. How much of the how much of the thought process goes around? failure to evidence return on investment leading to this kind of viewpoint that marketing can just be cut because it's something we talk about a lot a lot of agencies talk about return on investment of marketing i still think it's an evolving world showing the proof of that i agree and i i would suspect i'm obviously not an fd but i would suspect that's a big part of the decision making process and i guess part of the challenge that it, there is having worked with lots of clients on this type of problem, it's, it's not easy to evidence a return. That's not to say there isn't a return. I mean, the actual 
process of trying to tie everything together is difficult. The tangible pound note impact of something you've yeah, done further up the particularly chain. Particularly when you start thinking about global companies, regional teams, uh, different business groups and units and so on and so forth. <clears throat> uh, marketing and sales misalignment, as we've talked about, uh, I'm sure, in the past multiple times on the podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> but it can become difficult to even know um, something as simple as that lead that, that filled in a form on the website if they become a customer, just finding out that information can be a challenge, particularly yep. when you start thinking about a B2B sales cycle, you need to follow up on something six, 12 months afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I think you probably not have too hard a time if somebody bought within the first month and because uh, you, as part of the campaign reporting, you have the marketing team check mm -hmm. in and go, hey, that lead that we sent over, did it, did it convert? And you get quickly feedback while it's still present in marketing's mind yeah, that lead can work. But when, when it, you've got a six to 12 months, 18 month B2B sales cycle, a marketing checking up on that campaign that happened last year yep. and see if any of that came through or not. Have they moved on to the next thing, yeah, the next exactly. campaign. Which, and I, I guess if you have the right tech stack in place mm -hmm. and the right kind of visualization of that, that can start to become automated. So if you have if you have your Salesforce data being pulled together with your Marketo data and that's in a dashboard. But that's, an, that's another thing that during a recession there, isn't it? Like that tech stack, the cumbersome tech stack that's developing now in B2B and the cost of that, how many people are going to go, pause, I, mean, I know you might be tied into contract, but pause that subscription, pull that out, which is actually only going to exacerbate the problem more because yeah. the level of data analytics and insights you're gaining will be reduced even further, which only fuels yeah. the argument that you can't prove the ROI. Yeah. It's a, it, I think that they'd, be, they'd certainly be part of that kind of Cool. If that if that was the way we were looking at it, I know some companies have, have been sex, uh, successful doing it, but it's just a case of needing to have that buy-in, that investment, to set that up to be able to prove the ROI. Mm -hmm. So that before you get to a recession, you already know. Well, look, well, look, we know from our marketing campaigns, we can't. You can never guarantee that that's the reason a customer became a customer because they might have been planning to get in contact with you before they downloaded your white paper or attended your webinar or whatever it might be. Yeah. But I think you just have to take that as a, it must have been a valuable touch point in their, in their purchase process and mm -hmm. take that on a bit of faith if, it, if you can see that's where they entered your system. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you need to have that kind of thing set up so that, yeah, you're going into something like a recession, you, you already know we see success from our marketing or you just have to act on, on faith, which I realize when you're looking at numbers and thinking about taking a business through something that could be potentially tumultuous, then mm -hmm. you probably don't want to just assume things work. And as well as revisiting the marketing strategy, the communications plan side of things in terms of the activities that you're doing, another thing that came to light for me when I was thinking about it was kind of the, the tone of voice and, and wider brand architecture is certainly worth a look to as well during challenging periods, should we say. Um, and I'm not saying you need to change it overnight as a result of hitting a recession, but you do need to think about the tone of that messaging, how you communicate with those audience groups, and I guess being conscious to the fact that it is a challenging and difficult period for a lot of people, um, which I say I start with a tone of voice and then actually you weave it back up. Is your mission and your vision actually fit for purpose during these, mm. these darker hours, I guess? Um, so yeah, that was an, another point, I guess, on the strategic considerations that as well as looking at the, the comms plan, Actually, how it all fits together is important as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's probably no point having a Kardashian kind of going out there advertising your products when you know they're not that they're not doing. If you get it too long, you end up getting uh, too wrong. Sorry, you end up getting a bit of a backlash, don't you? Well, you see it quite a lot, and I think particularly in today's kind of woke generations and so on, people can jump on brands quite quickly for 
you know, sometimes getting some of the decisions wrong and so on. I think that tonally, you know, we've seen it even this week with the, 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 the passing of the, the Queen in terms of how brands have adapted to that, how people have um, either, you know, culled all communications for a week out of fear of anything going out. And some brands have continued to push out even during that period in, in, in the UK particularly and, and internationally. Yeah, that's all Centre Parks. For anybody not familiar with that, it's a oh holiday God, park yeah. company in the UK. They've angered customers. Yeah, <laughs> what was that? What was their argument? They've kicked everybody out on the Monday or something. They've, they've shut the entire park. So people have had like stays booked. Then um, it's uh, I, well, not even cancelled. They're just kicked out on that day. That's a key changeover day for them. But I think I think even that even that taking that into an account, I mean, it's, it's, it's similarly linked. Was more around the way it was communicated as opposed to the fact they've done it. I mean, right or wrong or indifferent, the way they've done it. People have different opinions on it, but yeah. the way it was communicated, I believe, to customers in terms of through social media, and I think a quick ping on an email, mm-hmm. uh, when it's obviously impacting a lot of people who would have been away, maybe would have enjoyed being away to kind of um, watch the uh, the events as they unravel on the Monday for the funeral. One thing I was curious about, on a slightly different note, was with regards to the type of industries that, that we typically work in within B two B. Yep. And do you think we see? Um, recessions affecting them differently are any of them more impervious to it um or, or is it kind of it's affecting good, everyone the same it's a good point i think some i think some sectors are more resilient to recessionary times but it also depends on what's driving or causing the suppression in spend and that negative outlook so take the pandemic as an example and um, whilst that wasn't a recession it was certainly a, a, a difficult and challenging time for people but you saw a lot of the, the health and the nutrition sectors kind of thrive during that period because people became suddenly focused about living longer, being healthier, stronger, mm-hmm. uh, more resilient, so on and so on. Mm-hmm. H- however, during a, a pure recession where ultimate consumer spend is suppressed ac- across the board, let's just say, yeah. are people going to buy their £40 whey proteins? Are people going to buy... Uh, are they going to sacrifice that multivitamin stack maybe that costs them a lot of money every yeah. month to, to, to I'd rather have my energy bills paid and take the vitamins yeah but, yeah, but, it's, but it's quite seriously yeah. I think some people will have to make a lot of those decisions at the minute and a lot of that what is discretionary spend for people and some people might not view their health as discretionary but I think a lot of people do unfortunately these days that keeping warm is probably more important than being bulky I don't know if this is a controversial comparison to make but if you think about a vitamin yeah. I think very often you're taking a pill because you know it's good for you, because you know it's preventive, because you know there's research out there that says it's very healthy. Mm-hmm. I think very often you don't have anything to prove for it. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, it's a little bit like marketing spend yeah. when you're not really um, measuring against the actual outcome. Yeah, but I'd argue, I'd argue there that that's where marketing's got a job to step up then and, and become more scientific and analytical in the approach that they've got with it. Because when you, with, with the, I don't know, you're in a, multi, a simple multivitamin or something like that. There are stats, there is science behind it. People have different opinions on uh, how much you retain in the body and so on. Yeah, absolutely. But I think I think that's where marketing's got a real job to do during these periods. To not 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 immediately in a recession, but in the run up to these difficult times and in the years that that, that precede them, to make it clear that it's not it, I mean, it's not marketing. That's why I always come back to it's ultimately it's what it's what drives your sales in your business or what supports yeah. it certainly. And that's why I keep going back to revenue operations at various points across yeah, the yeah. podcast at the minute. But think of it more as a revenue generating function. And it, w- would you turn off your sales? No. But you're kind of doing that. Yeah. So by looking at it in that manner, if you're actually just totally suppressing revenue by switching marketing off. And if you don't view it like that, 
go back to the drawing board what's yeah, broken yeah. again so something that's where I think you, you are seeing like you say you see more and more that these days that you've got a revenue officer that oversees that both of them or they're just very aligned teams I know I think I might have talked about it in the past but I, I know of, of companies where they have a marketing person embedded within certain sales teams yep. so you'd have you know a handful of sales team and each one of those has a, an assigned marketing person mm-hmm. to make sure that those teams are aligned because they are the same function they're, mm-hmm. they're different ends of the of the same spectrum effectively yep. and if you if you turn off one you are hampering the other can the salesperson pick up and start cold calling of course they can but the success rate of a cold call from a company when you're calling somebody that's never even heard of you is is significantly lower than calling somebody that's engaged heard heard of you engaged with your content attended a webinar you pick up the phone to that person yep. they're much more likely to answer the call but much I, more likely I, to listen I, to I also you. think that's a, a probably a good point to kind of move towards wrapping up on in a way but speak to your customers speak to your buyers speak to your networks to understand what's going on within your space because I think a lot of people will sit there and assume everything's going to get caught or assume uh, things are going to go down and how many FDs that are culling marketing spends have actually spoke to the customers to understand what's going on in their worlds mm. get proactively get on the phone with the customers to understand our budget is going to be cut is activity going to be reduced and if so across what channels but be there as that kind of consultative trusted advisor to be part of that conversation with them rather than waiting for kind of the plug to be pulled at a later point because I think you can you can work with clients to be a lot more uh, clever about proving the ROI but also being smart about where your where your priorities are based across that mm-hmm. marketing mix yeah. are there any other points you wanted to bring through on this one Ollie? not off the top of my head good stuff well Hopefully there aren't too many dark times ahead, and ho- hopefully there's, there's any a bit... dark time ahead aren't too long. <laughs> well, yeah, to be honest with you, that'll be the case. Um, but I think there's some good tips there to think about. I think one of the key things for me is don't be afraid to revisit that marketing plan, just because it's a marketing plan you pulled together 12 months ago that you thought was fine and fit for purpose in that environment. Things change rapidly, things change quickly. If you are a marketeer out there, fight for your marketing spend, fight for the proof of the worth and the value that you bring to the table. Um, And yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed the episode and learned something along the way. So we'll see you next time on the B2B Impact.